Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we are going to talk about medication for memory problems and for dementia such as Alzheimer's disease. Specifically, in this episode, I'm going to tell you about the four medications that are FDA approved to treat Alzheimer's and other dementias, including how they work, side effects, and I'll also provide answers to the most common questions families have. And then I'll share some tips for what you can do if you or your family member is either taking these medications or considering them. These are very, very commonly prescribed medications, so it's good for you to be informed about them, especially if you've had any concerns about finances or medication expenses. And then in a future episode, I'm going to cover the five types of medication that are most commonly used to treat difficult behaviors associated with dementia, including paranoias and delusions. So just to clarify, from a medical and medication perspective, we do distinguish between the memory and thinking changes associated with dementia. These are key to a dementia diagnosis, and they affect everyone to at least some extent. So we distinguish between those memory and thinking changes versus difficult behaviors associated with dementia, which include paranoias, delusions, restlessness, or even aggression. And by the way, if you want to learn more about paranoia and other forms of late-life psychosis in older people, and this is an issue that does affect an estimated one in four older adults at some point in their lifetime, if you want to learn more about the um, paranoia, and why it's not always due to dementia, although it often is, be sure to listen to episode 22, where we covered paranoia and other late-life psychosis symptoms in older adults. Also, if you're concerned about difficult behaviors, uh, be sure to tune in for the upcoming episode on medications often used to manage these difficult behaviors. And by the way, none of the medications currently used for difficult behaviors are FDA approved for this purpose, but they are very commonly used because doctors are allowed to prescribe off-label. So again, there are medications for the behavior symptoms of dementia, and then there are the medications that are FDA approved for Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, and those are approved to treat memory and thinking symptoms. And that is what I'm going to cover in this week's episode. So let me get going telling you about these medications that are FDA approved to treat Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. Basically, FDA-approved medications for the treatment of Alzheimer's and related dementias essentially fall into one of two categories. The first category is called cholinesterase inhibitors. These are drugs that help increase the amount of the neurotransmitter acetylcholine in the brain, and acetylcholine helps neurons function well. There are three such medications that are FDA-approved to treat Alzheimer's in the mild to moderate stages, and those are Donepazil, the brand name Aricept, Rivastigmine, brand name Exelon, and Galantamine, brand name Razadine. 
Now, there was a fourth cholinesterase inhibitor called Tacrin, which was FDA approved, but it's no longer in use because it had a much higher risk of side effects. Now, as I mentioned, the cholinesterase inhibitors are FDA approved to treat Alzheimer's in mild to moderate stages. So sometimes people are a little confused about what that means. And what I'll do is I'll link to a short article that I recently wrote on Better Health While Aging that explains the stages of dementia. Briefly, in practical terms, by far the most common way that doctors describe dementia and Alzheimer's stages is either by using the terms mild, moderate, and severe, or sometimes by using the terms early stage, middle stage, and late stage. And these, until recently, were the terms that were most commonly used for clinical research studying dementia drugs as well. And mild to moderate usually corresponds to needing some help with the what we call the instrumental activities of daily living. So the learned and adolescent skills. These are skills that usually require a certain amount of uh, thinking and um, initially at least maturity. So things like managing finances, driving, grocery shopping, meal preparation, home maintenance, and medications. And those are the things that usually people with Alzheimer's have difficulty with first, whereas it's later on in the moderate to severe stage that people may have difficulty with more fundamental skills the ones we call the activities of daily living or basic activities of daily living. So those are the ones we usually initially learn in early childhood, like getting dressed, walking, talking, feeding yourself, and so forth. So cholinesterase inhibitors are approved for mild to moderate Alzheimer's, and then two of them also obtained FDA approval for the treatment of more advanced dementia, donepazil and rivastigmine. As far as I know, galantamine has not obtained that approval, but since they all work in kind of the same way, I would assume that it's probably uh, equally effective for more advanced dementia. And in a little bit, we'll talk about just how effective that is and what the research shows. So those are the cholinesterase inhibitors. And then there's a second category of sorts for medication for dementia. It's called memantine. The brand name is Namenda. And This is the name of an actual drug rather than a class of drugs, but since it's the only one available of its type, we basically refer to it as the second category of dementia treatment drug. Memantine, again, the brand name Namenda, is FDA approved to treat moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease. So again, if we think about dementia as progressing from mild, when people are forgetful and need help doing things that require good memory or good kind of mental processing or organization, that would be mild Alzheimer's or mild dementia. And then if we have a stage of advanced or severe dementia, when people have uh, very poor memory um, in the most advanced stages, they don't recognize people who previously were familiar. They talk very little or not at all. They eventually lose the ability to walk and to get dressed and to feed themselves. And at the very, very end, people will start to lose the ability to swallow and do some other really fundamental physical abilities. So that would be the severe stage. And then moderate is sort of in the middle. I think of it as the time when a person has become basically unable to manage the instrumental activities of daily living. So again, the mentally complex skills we usually learn as teenagers. And is now moving towards losing the basic activities of daily living, such as increased difficulty in walking by themselves or toileting or speaking. 
And so memantine, unlike the cholinesterase inhibitors, is FDA-approved to treat moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease, but it's not FDA-approved to treat mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. How does it work? Memantine is a, uh, this is a big long word, N-methyl-D-aspartate receptor agonist. This is basically a certain kind of receptor in the brain, and the way memantine works is it dampens the excitatory effect of a neurotransmitter called glutamate in the brain. And it turns out that basic science research suggests that overexcitation of the neurons through glutamate has been associated with worsening neurodegenerative disease. So memantine is considered a potentially neuroprotective drug because it dampens that overexciting effect of glutamate. It may protect brain cells from further deterioration or from acceleration of deterioration. And so we call it a potentially disease-modifying treatment. In comparison, cholinesterase inhibitors are considered symptomatic treatment. And that's because although they may be able to help neurons work better, by enabling more of the acetylcholine, they don't seem to change the underlying progression of Alzheimer's or other dementias. They don't seem to treat or protect from that underlying damage to brain cells that ends up creating the symptoms and problems of Alzheimer's. For this reason, we think of cholinesterase inhibitors as symptomatic treatment. They um, are meant to reduce the symptoms of memory problems and thinking problems, but they're not disease-modifying, or they're not thought to be disease-modifying in the way that memantine is thought to be disease-modifying. In short, you have four medications FDA-approved to treat dementia. Three of them are in the cholinesterase inhibitor class, and those are donepezil, rivastigmine, galantamine, brand names Aricept, Exelon, and Razadine, respectively. And then the fourth medication is memantine, brand name Namenda. Now, let me move on to some frequently asked questions about these medications. So first, how well do cholinesterase inhibitors work for treating these symptoms of Alzheimer's and other dementias? This is a topic that has been intensively studied and somewhat debated, and it's important for you to know, at least I think it's important, that virtually all the major studies of cholinesterase inhibitors were funded by the industry. This is fairly common when it comes to um, pharmaceuticals, but it's important to keep in mind because there is overall evidence that studies funded by industry tend to favor the medication being studied. So of all the large trials, only the um, 82,000 trial was not industry funded. And so what did all these research trials find? Overall, what they seem to find is that in mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, the average benefit seems to be a small improvement in cognition, and perhaps inability to manage activities of daily living. This effect has sometimes been compared to a few months delay in progression of symptoms, and it's not at all clear that treatment with cholinesterase inhibitors affects long-term outcomes, such as the need for nursing home level of care. As I said, the benefit and effectiveness of these medications has been debated, and in fact, a 2008 review of the scientific evidence which reviewed the randomized control trials available up to that time, concluded that the effect is statistically significant, meaning there's a difference and the statistics indicate that it's unlikely to be due to chance, 
But on the other hand, they also said that the difference was so small that it was clinically marginal. And by that, it means that in sort of real world terms, in terms of what families might notice, patients might notice, doctors might notice that the effect of these medications was, was marginal. It seemed to barely make a difference when participants were blinded and didn't know whether they were getting an active drug or not. On the other hand, there is a catch to consider because studies also suggest that although a fair number of people, probably 30 to 50%, maybe more, Although a fair number of people seem to experience no benefit at all, up to 20% may show greater than usual response. So there seems to be some individual variability in how these drugs work for people. And I think that's not surprising because different people have different physiologies. And then also within Alzheimer's or dementias, people may have different underlying mechanisms that are driving most of their memory problems. And it's possible that some of those are much more responsive to the effect of cholinesterase inhibitors than others. So to date, we have not developed any good ways to tell ahead of time who will respond to these drugs. So this means that in order to know whether somebody is responding to the medication, we really have to follow the person's cognitive symptoms and side effects once they start taking a cholinesterase inhibitor. And if it doesn't seem to be helping, then it may certainly be reasonable to s consider stopping the medication after a few months. And I'll talk more about how you can determine whether that might be a sensible choice for you or your older relative later in this episode. Now, next frequently asked question, how well does memantine work? And again, the brand name for memantine is Namenda. Lots of clinical trials were done on memantine as well, and in people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's, memantine seems to, again, provide some benefits in terms of slowing the deterioration of Alzheimer's, but again, the benefit seems to be fairly modest and of unclear clinical significance in many people. Now, what about in people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's? It's not at all clear that those people benefit from memantine. And a 2011 review concluded that the scientific evidence doesn't support this claim. So it does not support that on average, the average person with mild to moderate Alzheimer's will benefit from memantine. Now, as best I can tell, this hasn't stopped doctors from prescribing memantine for people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's. But as best we can tell from the clinical research we have, it is not effective in the early stages and is more effective in the later stages. Next frequently asked questions, do these medications work for dementias other than Alzheimer's disease? As you may know, dementia is an umbrella term that covers the syndrome of having memory or other thinking problems that are chronic, that are not due to another medical problem, and that represent a decline for what the person was able to do before. And many problems that affect the brain can cause dementia. And Alzheimer's disease is the most common underlying cause of dementia, but it's not the only one. So do these medications work for dementias other than Alzheimer's disease? They have been studied for other forms of dementia, including vascular dementia, Lewy body dementia, Parkinson's dementia, and mixed dementia. And studies generally find that cholinesterase inhibitors are associated with modest improvements in symptoms in these other forms of dementia. And then for memantine, some research suggests that it can help with vascular dementia, although the benefits again seem to be quite modest. And if you're wondering what kind of dementia your older relative has, uh, let me just say that as people get older, mixed dementia, meaning you have more than one cause, 
underlying uh, problem in the brain creating dementia symptoms. We know from autopsy studies that mixed dementia is very, very common and actually becomes more and more common as people get older. And it's also generally harder to determine what we think is the exact cause of dementia when people are older. It's easier for uh, when people are younger or if they have early onset dementia. The good news is that in general, um, people with various types of dementia may respond, have that response of, you know, modest benefit in some and no effect in many is basically the effectiveness. So cholinesterase inhibitors may be helpful uh, or appear to be um, similarly helpful in people who have different types of dementia. As for memantine, the evidence is maybe a little bit more conflicting, especially when it comes to Lewy body dementia and Parkinson's dementia, with some research suggesting a small benefit, but also reports that some people experience worsening hallucinations and delusions with memantine. Next frequently asked question, do these medications work for mild cognitive impairment? The answer is not as far as we know. There actually have um, several studies have been done and they've all been negative, which is saying something given that we know there's a bias in the scientific literature, especially since much of it is industry funded. But for other reasons as well, we know that there's a bias towards finding effects and reporting positive findings. So for the research evidence to so far indicate that dementia medications do not improve outcomes for mild cognitive impairment, uh, I think is fairly notable. Also notable, although perhaps not surprising, is that it does still remain very common for people diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment to be prescribed donepazil, brand name Aricept, or another cholinesterase inhibitor. Some people have made a case that this is reasonable to do as a trial and that some people might experience improvements in their memory or um, especially in their memory symptoms from taking cholinesterase inhibitors. Uh, we could say that it's reasonable to try it and see if it helps with memory and if not, discontinue it. But in practice, what I have noticed is that many people diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment are prescribed a cholinesterase inhibitor and then they take it indefinitely. And this may be because they themselves are reluctant to stop. People often want to try anything that might possibly help. Or in other cases, it may be that the prescribing doctor didn't inform them that the research showed that generally it doesn't help, or that maybe the prescribing doctor just didn't get around to following up on the symptoms and having that conversation of, well, does this seem to be helping? Do you want to continue? Next frequently asked question, what are the side effects of these medications? So the good thing about these medications is that they seem to be generally quite well-tolerated. And even geriatricians like myself consider these well-tolerated, meaning that most people don't seem to experience more than mild side effects. It doesn't seem to cause a lot of other significant risks or problems in people and serious adverse events like allergic reactions or you know a single bad thing happening related to the medication. Those kinds of serious adverse events are rare. And that's, I would say, not true of many medications that older adults take, but does seem to be true for these types of medications. So that's not to say that people don't experience some discomfort or side effects, and that certainly should be considered if you're trying to decide whether to start these medications or continue these medications. So side effects to keep in mind or look out for. For cholinesterase inhibitors, the most common side effects uh, relate to the gastrointestinal tract, so to the stomach and bowels. They include nausea, diarrhea, sometimes vomiting. These affect an estimated 20% of people. 
but people do tend to adjust to these side effects with time if they take the medication regularly. It does help to start with a small dose and gradually increase. And then one of the medications, rivastigmine, uh, brand name Exelon, is also available in a patch formulation, which sort of bypasses the stomach and tends to cause less stomach upset. As far as the oral formulations go, it looks like Denepazil, brand name Aricept, tends to cause fewer side effects than rivastigmine or galantamine, but this does vary from person to person. And then less commonly, some people may experience dizziness, a slowed heart rate, headaches, or sleep changes. As for memantine, this is also a medication that generally seems well-tolerated in most people. And um, for this medication, dizziness seems to be the most common side effect. But some people, as I mentioned, especially if they have Lewy body dementia or Parkinson's, may experience worse confusion or hallucinations. Overall, memantine generally seems to cause fewer side effects than cholinesterase inhibitors do. So to summarize, these medications are usually uh, well-tolerated by people. That said, there are some people who just seem to react badly to them. And again, most of these reactions are not life-threatening or hospitalization-inducing, but some, um, some older people either for the cholinesterase inhibitors get really nauseous or have a lot of diarrhea or may get dizziness or just feel lousy. So one has to always sort of see how the individual responds because it's really possible for any medication to cause virtually any reaction in older adults. But compared to many of the other medications that older adults take, these seem to be less risky and less likely to cause problems than, than many medications are. Next frequently asked question, is it common to take more than one medication for dementia at the same time? The answer is yes, it's quite common for patients to be prescribed a cholinesterase inhibitor plus memantine. So this is a form of double therapy where you basically use the two categories of dementia medication because they work in different ways. This combination therapy has been studied in people with moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease and some research suggests a small benefit compared to treatment with just one medication. But again, the benefit overall appears to be modest at best in most people. Now, what about combination therapy in people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's? A study of such therapy did not show benefit, so there seems to be no good research evidence indicating that combination therapy is beneficial in mild Alzheimer's, and this would be consistent with the other research finding that memantine doesn't seem to be effective in people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Otherwise, uh, there is no reason to take more than one cholinesterase inhibitor at the same time. So you want to, it's generally pretty rare in medicine to take two medications that are within the same class. And when we say medications are in the same class, what we mean is that they have the same or very similar mechanism of action, the receptors that they work on in the body are very similar. Of course, it is quite common to take more than one medication for the same disease, but that's because often we use several medications that have different mechanisms to treat a certain condition such as high blood pressure or in this case, dementia. Next frequently asked question. At what point do you stop medications for dementia, and this is sort of, there's a related question, which I've often heard from families, which is, we're not sure this is making a difference, so should we consider stopping it? So 
many patients and families feel that these medications don't have any effect. And this isn't surprising because the research results, as I explained, usually find that the effect in most people is small to non-existent. As cholinesterase inhibitors are symptomatic treatments and are not disease-modifying, if there's no sign of improvement after a few months on the maximum dose, many experts agree that it's reasonable to stop the medication at that point. That said, as these medications are well-tolerated by most patients, it's actually fairly common for people to remain on cholinesterase inhibitors indefinitely. Because for many people, the main uh, harm, as it were, is the financial expense of taking the medication indefinitely. And, and how much that expense is will depend on people's medication coverage. As for memantine, this drug is potentially disease-modifying. So experts believe that it may make sense to continue memantine, even if you're not sure it's working, because it's possible that it is still preventing uh, the deterioration from happening faster. Now, what about when people reach a very advanced or severe stage of Alzheimer's or another dementia. Most experts agree that uh, there's not much value in continuing either category of dementia medication once the person has reached the really advanced stage at which point they are bedbound, unable to speak, and show little sign of recognizing familiar people. Next frequently asked question, do people get worse when they stop dementia medications? So research indicates that some patients do appear to get worse after stopping cholinesterase inhibitors. If this appears to be the case, then it's reasonable to resume the cholinesterase inhibitor. And it's not clear from the research that people who undergo such um, a gap, like a stoppage in their cholinesterase inhibitor, do worse overall in the long term. Now, what about stopping memantine? This hasn't been as uh, this hasn't been studied in as much depth as the studying of cholinesterase inhibitors. There was one observational, not randomized, uh, study of nursing home residents, which suggested some worsening after stopping memantine. In terms of my personal experience, I would say that in many cases, I've seen people stop these medications and nothing has seemed to change. And then occasionally people have seemed to get worse. And you know, it can be hard to pinpoint whether that's related to the medication or just related to something else. But generally, if people are interested in stopping these medications, then we stop. And if it looks like the person gets worse again, then we can just resume them. Next frequently asked question, do any vitamins help treat dementia? So a number of vitamins have been studied and the one that seems most promising is vitamin E, which works as an antioxidant in the body. It has been studied for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease. And in 2014, a large study of patients with moderate to severe Alzheimer's disease found that daily treatment with 2,000 international units per day of vitamin E resulted in less functional decline compared to treatment with placebo, memantine, or a combination of memantine and vitamin E. Now, this study was conducted through the VA system, the Veterans Affairs System, so most participants were men, and again, the benefit was modest. It's not so far clear that vitamin E helps for milder Alzheimer's or for mild cognitive impairments. If you're interested in trying vitamin E for brain health, first of all, bear in mind that in that particular study, taking memantine and vitamin E together seemed to work a little less well. So it's worth considering kind of which one you might want to prefer to take. And then the other thing is you always want to talk to a doctor 
before trying vitamin E for brain health. It is available as an over-the-counter supplement, but you want to talk to a doctor because vitamin E can increase bleeding risk in some people. As for other vitamins, uh, none have been shown to slow cognitive decline in Alzheimer's or other dementias. In particular, although low vitamin D levels have been associated with a risk of developing dementia, no clinical research has shown that treatment with vitamin D helps people maintain cognitive function. And if you are interested in vitamin D, I will post a link in the show notes to the article I wrote about vitamin D and the research and what I suggest as the optimum dose. Now, another vitamin related to brain health is vitamin B12, which we talked about in episode 21. That's because a uh, lack of vitamin B12, vitamin B12 deficiency is associated with dysfunction of brain cells and can cause cognitive impairment. However, in people with normal vitamin B12 levels at baseline, it does not appear that vitamin B12 supplementation helps maintain brain health in people with Alzheimer's or otherwise. And there was a study of vitamin B supplementation in people with mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease, and they found that it didn't provide any benefit. So now that I've covered the basics on these medications, let me try to wrap it up by kind of summarizing a practical approach and some tips for you. I think it can be easy to get a bit lost in the weeds when it comes to medications to treat the cognitive decline for Alzheimer's and other dementias. So the way that I would summarize the evidence and the research is that these are medications that seem to offer only a little, if any, benefit to most people. They are indeed widely prescribed, and I think that's because patients are usually anxious to do everything possible to preserve their mental abilities. And doctors really want to be able to offer something, anything. And we don't have anything better in terms of pharmaceuticals right now to help people maintain their cognitive abilities once they've been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia or even mild cognitive impairment. And also, most of the time, these medications do not seem to harm patients or cause side effects. And then last but not least, the pharmaceutical industry certainly uh, has been encouraging patients and doctors to be interested in these medications. So I think that's why they are widely prescribed. I do think it's reasonable for people to take or try these medications as long as they are aware of the evidence regarding the mostly modest benefit. I think one should take a sensible and informed approach. And then also, it's important to remember that maintaining brain function despite having a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, is not just about medication. People tend to be very focused on medication and they forget about the many other things that can be done to maintain brain health. But for now, let me finish with some tips about the medications. What should you do about medications for dementia if you or your older relative has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or another dementia? Now, if you've already been on dementia medications for a while, if you aren't experiencing side effects, know that these medications are actually well tolerated and seem to be low risk. So you may want to continue on them indefinitely. I think that's generally okay. But if you are concerned about medication expenses or pill burden or want to take fewer medications, consider a trial of stopping these medications. You should realize that many people won't notice any difference at all. And stopping the medication is unlikely to change the overall trajectory of the Alzheimer's or dementia illness. 
Furthermore, if you stop the medication and things seem worse, you can always restart them. Now, what about if you or your relative is not taking any medication for Alzheimer's or another dementia and you're considering it, perhaps because you're just starting out on your dementia journey and have been recently diagnosed? So in that case, I would recommend that you keep in mind the following points. First, only cholinesterase inhibitors are FDA approved for mild to moderate dementia. So definitely ask additional questions if a clinician proposes starting memantine during the early or mild stage of Alzheimer's or even during mild cognitive impairment. Also bear in mind that cholinesterase inhibitors are for symptomatic treatments. They don't alter the underlying neurodegeneration. They may provide a modest benefit to some people, but many people don't seem to benefit and we're not yet able to tell ahead of time whose symptoms will improve with these medications. So a reasonable and careful approach, and this is recommended by many experts, a reasonable and thoughtful approach is to work with the doctor on a trial, quote unquote, of cholinesterase inhibitor. And by this, I don't mean a big clinical research trial. I mean a trial of, let's see if this works for me or for my relative. And so that means doing things like this. You know, one, it means carefully documenting the cognitive symptoms before starting the medication. It means starting the medication at a low dose and increasing to a full dose over time. It means monitoring for side effects such as nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. Bear in mind that these do often get better with time. You can consider lowering the dose or tapering up more slowly or even switching to a patch formulation if the side effects are difficult to handle. And then the most important part is to work with your doctors to reassess the cognitive symptoms after two to three months. And if no improvement has been noted by the person with dementia, the family members, or the doctors, then it's reasonable to consider stopping the cholinesterase inhibitor. However, if the person with dementia or family feels better continuing it, I think that's okay too. There are lots of other medications that I feel are more beneficial to consider reducing or stopping in older adults. And then last but definitely not least, be sure to not forget the most important thing to keep in mind when it comes to managing cognitive decline of Alzheimer's and other dementias, and that is that medications are only a small part of the solution. Because in fact, there are many non-drug ways to optimize brain function, and there are many ways to help a person with Alzheimer's or another dementia have the best abilities and the best life that they can despite having this condition. So in terms of non-drug ways to optimize brain function, uh, they also work for people who don't have dementia and are just trying to protect their brain health. I've listed them in my post on how to promote brain health, and I will link to that in the show notes. Pay special attention to avoiding risky medications and delirium if you or your older relative has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or another dementia. In particular, I'll point out that people often don't realize that many commonly used medications are anticholinergic. This means they interfere with acetylcholine in the brain and worsen thinking, and they basically have the exact opposite effect of the cholinesterase inhibitors like Donepacil, brand name Aricept, which is not so good for the brain. And you would think that your doctors and pharmacists would notice the problem and stop the anticholinergic medications, but my experience has been that people often are receiving a cholinesterase inhibitor for their dementia diagnosis and are still taking many anticholinergics. And so that's an example of a 
risky uh, medication for brain health that you can help your healthcare team identify and stop. And so to finish with my bottom line on medications to treat dementia, just keep in mind that the medications that we have that are FDA approved to treat Alzheimer's disease and other dementias may help a little. And the main harm that most people will experience will just be to their finances. It'll be the expense of taking the medication, especially if you take it indefinitely for years and years and years. Don't expect these drugs to work miracles. In most people, they have a small to non-detectable effect. Consider stopping them if you're concerned about drug costs or pill burdens. If it seems like things get worse after you stop them, you can restart them. And above all, don't forget to think beyond medications when it comes to optimizing brain function and delaying cognitive decline in dementia. So that's what I think you should know about the medications FDA approved to treat Alzheimer's. And then again, in an upcoming episode, I will cover the medications used to treat the behavior problems of dementia, which are not FDA approved, but are commonly prescribed and are actually much riskier and more problematic than the four FDA approved medications that I covered in today's episode. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode or about medications FDA approved for Alzheimer's and other dementias, you can post it on the show notes page for this episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. And I do have an article that covers um, these FAQs and the information that was in this episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and a review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show on iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.